Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbalay. Today I wanted to talk about the impact that the Olympics had on Sydney in 2000 and also the impact that the Olympics had on London in 2012. And these observations come remotely. I don't think I watched anything associated with the Olympics in London in 2012. But I certainly watched the Olympics in Sydney because I had left Australia in 1999 and I wanted to see in a kind of strange, almost anthropological fashion, the way the American television networks would explore Sydney and understand some of the nuances with Sydney. Now, historically, I've never lived in Sydney. I used to visit Sydney on a regular basis when I got a grant with the Australian Film Commission for Noble Ape. I would travel up to Sydney, I think about once a month, maybe once every other month. No, probably more like once a month in order to meet with the Australian Film Commission and just, I don't know, let them know what I was working on, these kind of things. And also I dated a woman who was based in what they called the Blue Mountains, which are just outside of Sydney. And my uncle was based in Sydney for a period of time. So now, what's 15, 20, 25 years even, in some regards later, my mother is based in Sydney. So I go back to Sydney periodically because my mother's there. I also have a number of listeners in Sydney. And I know Sydney is a place. The impact that the Olympics had on that part of the world were, I don't know, it seemed to make it slightly more fascist in some regard. Australia was already going through a transformation, a movement to the right, particularly with regards to the notion of immigration and all these kind of fun things that a movement to the far right always seems to drum up. But a number of other things seem to move through with the Olympics, and certainly what I found in London was... The parts of London that we used to like, the parts of London that were charmingly British, let's say, the parts of London that were eclectic stores that sold, like a packed lunch in the UK. If you were to go on a picnic, you would have a picnic basket with a lunch set. Strangely, when we moved into this house in San Jose, there was one of these lunch sets up in a high cupboard. I don't know what my wife did with it, actually. It had beautiful silverware and stuff like that. So these kind of eclectic stores that you would find in London prior to the Olympics, the Olympics removed all of that. It all became brand name stores. It was all flashy, you know, these, I don't know, Bugatti and things like this. These kind of stores that really you wonder what their market is. They took over from everything that was quietly English previously. It was almost like London needed to be rebranded in some quite perverse way in order to eliminate the kitsch, basically, the beautiful English kitsch that you could only find in London. Now, there are still small aspects of this, small tea houses, these kind of things that you can find in central London. And, you know, occasionally you'll find an eclectic store that you don't expect. But most of the time now, London has become very much a blueprint for the stuff that you would see in New York or any other major city, and it's lost some of this nuanced stuff that I just loved with London. Now, when my wife and I went back to London, we were able to have tea and this kind of stuff. We were able to get fish and chips. But a lot of the stores that I used to love, where you could do things like this, I was saying this picnic set, this kind of stuff that you used to get, that was kind of quintessentially English, not so much now. Large department stores collected together a variety of things, tea, umbrellas, you know, this kind of stuff. But I don't know. It just felt somewhat soulless now. And I reflect certainly what happened to Australia. The Olympics wasn't 
soul callers here, but a similar thing, a similar kind of hyper-branding. My father celebrated his 70th birthday in Australia, and I tried to find him a watch. There was no local watch places. There was no indigenous watch places. There was just a bunch of really, really expensive international tact, for want of a better term. And my frustration in trying to find a gift from my father in this circumstance reminded me, and this was in my hometown of Canberra, not even Sydney, reminded me what has happened internationally, that things have just moved to the lowest common denominator and where once there might have been some degree of authenticity or at least regional flair, for want of a better term, nothing is there in its place. Australia used to have a really vibrant folk music circuit. You could buy folk music in typically tourist areas, this kind of stuff. You can't find Australian songbooks anymore. There's no notion that Australia had an independent folk music that's completely lost. That veneer has just disappeared over, you know, I guess what Australia is now. So when I find Australian folk music books, which typically I have to find in Berkeley or these kind of areas, secondhand bookstores, well, that's going to be another short funk recording. Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.